This evening, I want Psalm 23 to be a guide to us on how God is our shepherd and also the shepherd of our children, both. It needs, it need, needs to begin with us. It must begin with us. That this confession of Psalm 23 begin with our parents, us parents, that he is truly our king and shepherd. And by doing so, by living in that reality, may our children follow us. That's what we want. The Lord our shepherd to be the shepherd of our sons and daughters. But first, he must be our shepherd, truly our shepherd. So take heed of ourselves, take heed of yourselves, fathers and mothers. Then you may save those who hear you at home. So let's do that first, verse 1 through 3, knowing that the Lord is your supreme king. Verse 1 through 3, the Lord is your supreme king. Let me read it again. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name, name's sake. You see in verse 1, the Lord is my shepherd, singular, possessive pronoun, my, not our, not their shepherd, not your shepherd in plural sense, but that personal, who is this shepherd? He is my shepherd. And who is the shepherd? He is Yahweh. That's what you see there with the word Lord. He is the covenant name that revealed himself to Moses, who created heaven and earth. He is the covenant God. He came and made a covenant with us. And the sense here also that he is our supreme King, because he created us, but he provides everything for us as a king. And then verse 1, part B says, as a consequence, you see verse 1 is a summary of the whole psalm. There in a nutshell, you see in verse 1, the Lord is my shepherd. And then the consequence, the conclusion of that confession is, I shall not want. Why? Because he is, again, personal, my shepherd. And the meaning is, because he is my shepherd, I have everything. He is my contentment. This does not mean that I'm going to lack something in this life. I will. 
probably you lose some, someone that you love so much. We're going to lose our health eventually. We will lose things in this world, very important things. But the psalm is teaching us, because he is our supreme shepherd, king of all, our covenant God who revealed himself to us, and he is mine, then I can say with all confidence and faith and hope and trust that because I have him, I have everything. That's why the psalmist says, I shall not want. He is everything to me. And then in verse 2 and 3, you see the verbs and the pronouns, me. Me, me, me. He, lie, me. he lies me down. He leads me. He restores me. He guides me. He lies me down in green grass. He leads me to waters of rest. He restores my soul. He guides me in straight path. Right? Very straight path. As a good king. As a wonderful king. As the best king of all. For what? He does hold those things. Amazing things, good things, as a leader, as a king to me. For what purpose? You see at the end of verse 3? So clear, isn't it? It's so important. For his name's sake. Not for my name. Not for my advancement. Not for my realization of my dreams. It's for his name's sake. That's why he's the supreme king of all. He does everything that he does. Lies me down, leads me, restores me, guides me. So that his name is glorified. It's me in his name. It's me in him. It's me for him. That's my life. That's why I was created. And that's why I am his sheep. That's why he is my king. It's for his name's sake. You see how beautiful this psalm is? There's a bracket. It begins in verse 1, part A, and then it ends in verse 3, part B, with the covenant name of God. It begins with Yahweh, the Lord, Yahweh, his name, the best name of all. And then ends in verse 3, part B, for his name's sake. It's an envelope in verses 1 and 3 for you to focus that your life belongs not to you, but to him. That what matters not your name, that what matters not your identity here in this life, in anything in this world, but your identity, who you are, what matters the most, is the one who created you and recreated you to be his sheep. Because he is your king. With his supremacy over everything. It begins with the name of God. It ends with his name. It's all about him. So let me give you two applications of this first point. That the Lord is your supreme king. First, the Lord is my shepherd. You see the singular again. 
The Lord is my shepherd. But the shepherd, he leads a flock. It's a group of sheep. But you see here in the text, it's singular. Isn't it amazing? I think it is. If you go to other places in the Bible, it's always a group of people following the shepherd. But here in Psalm, it's so personal that he forgets about the flock and he singles out one person, just you. And here's the application for you, fathers and mothers, and for all of us, and grandparents too. You have an intimate relationship with your king. Do you? Do you spend time with him? Just you and him alone? With prayer, in prayer, in fellowship, in communion, in delight, in pleasure, through his word? Is that how you live your life? To the degree that you can say, you are my shepherd, so intimate, so close. Is that your case, kids? Children, is that your reality? Or you just have a relationship with God when you go come to church or your meal table with your family and you pray with them? Tonight, this king is calling you for you to be intimate with him, just you and him, closed doors, so that you can say, the Lord is my shepherd. Second application, parents, and I'm talking to myself here, you are not the Lord. There is a convergence here of parenting and pastoral ministry. Because we think as parents that we can do everything for our children. I can solve everything. And then we want to do everything, be everywhere, and know everything and solve every problem of our families and children. And that's a burden that you cannot carry. That's why we are so exhausted many times. Rest in your shepherd king. It's not you who is the shepherd. Ultimately, he is. Even when you do not know how to solve the problem, even when you are clueless on how to lead to deal with the problem of your teenager. Rest in your shepherd. He is the supreme one. Third application. Children, your identity is the Lord. Do not follow your heart as our culture tells us so. You do not belong to yourself as a covenant kid that was born in a covenant family with the Lord. You belong to your 
supreme pastor and shepherd and king. Do not follow your heart. It doesn't matter if Bill Gates said something like that. Or the founder of Apple said that. Or anyone that you think it's cool and, and very good. They are not your creator. They are not your king. Do not follow your heart, but follow the Lord. He is leading you. He's the one you, that you're supposed to follow. To find your identity in him, not in yourself. To find your identity in yourself will disappoint you and make you restless. You think you are doing right. You think you are following your dreams, but it will leave you restless. With that in mind, let me read a uh, portion here of David Paulinson, was a counselor, and he wrote what he calls an anti-psalm. It's Psalm 23 in reverse, in the opposite sense. Can you imagine a psalm without the shepherd? And you being your own shepherd, following your own heart? Can you imagine that? Let me read it for you. To see how desperate that case would be. Listen. I am on my own. No one looks out for me or protects me. I experience a continuous sense of need. Nothing's quite right. I'm always restless. I'm easily frustrated and often disappointed. It's a jungle. I feel overwhelmed. It's a desert. I'm thirsty. My soul feels broken, twisted, stuck. I can't fix myself. I stumble down some dark paths. Still insist I want to do what I want, when I want, how I want. But life's confusing. Why don't things ever really work out? I'm hunted by emptiness and futility, shadows of death. I fear the big hurt and final loss. Death is waiting for me at the end of every road, but I'd rather not think about it. I spend my life protecting myself. Bad things can happen. I find no lasting comfort. I'm alone, facing everything that could hurt me. Are my friends really friends? Other people use me for their own ends. I can't really trust anyone. No one has my back. No one is really for me except me. I am so much all about, I am so much all about me. Sometimes it's sickening. I belong to no one except myself. My cup is never quite full enough. I am left empty. Disappointment follows me all the days of my life. Will I just be obliterated into nothingness? Will I be alone forever, homeless, free falling into void? Satra said, hell is other people. I have to add, hell is also myself. It's a living death. Then I die. That's an anti-psalm. Is that what you want? When I am the center of my life and God vanishes from my sight, disorder is my life, I am on my own, and fear and silent despair is the result. No, tonight is calling you. Come. I am your supreme king. Second, the Lord is your Emmanuel, God with us. Verse 4, 
It's beautiful, isn't it? Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Now, pay attention, because you have to remember verse 3, part B. Verse 3, part B says that the Lord leads us, leads me in path of righteousness, in straight paths. So he's the one who is conducting me, leading me, and he's the one who is leading me into the valley. You cannot miss this point of the psalm. Many commentators talks about, talk about that. We think it's a valley that randomly appears in my life. No. He is the one who's leading you in that path. The path of valley. And he is the principle that you need to keep in your mind. Fathers, mothers, and children. You see the principle? Verses 1 through 3 is first rest. Still waters, green pasture. First rest, then the valley. Verses 1 and 3 come, come first. Then verse 4 with the valley. First rest, then valley. First food, water, security, then shadow of death, danger, and evil. And that's the pattern that you see in the scripture as well. You see in creation... Evening first, then morning. That's how the Jews do, they still do today. Evening begins the day with the evening. Six o'clock during the evening. And then morning. The days begin with rest. Then work. You see? It's the same principle that you are doing now. The Christian Sabbath. First Sunday, the first day of the week now. Because of Jesus' resurrection. First rest. The first day of the week, the Sabbath, now, then work. First Jesus' baptism. First he heard the word, the word of his father. You are my son in whom I'm well pleased. With water, but the baptism, and the Holy Spirit upon him. First, all those good things for Jesus. Then the desert with Satan. You see the pattern? First salvation, redemption, then obeying the law. First rest in Christ, then live for Christ. First rest, then the valley. And we need to teach this truth at home always, all the time. First, the indicative, all the blessings that we receive by grace in Christ, then works. In the valley, we perceive that the Lord is more intimate. Verses 1 through three, we see he and me. He leads me. He guides me. He lies me down. It's he and me. Third person, right? He's talking about the king. But then when you go to verse four, it changes. It says, even though I walk in the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? For he? No. For you are with me. You see the change? Now in verses 1 and 3 was about the king. Now in verse 4, it's more intimate. It's the second person, singular, you are with me. That's where we find in the hardship of life how close our king is. Closer, more intimate. Like a good father, the Lord will be always with you no matter what happens. No need to fear evil. 
you will use two things, the rod and the staff. The rod is a king. It's a, a symbol of the king, Psalm 2. And the staff as well to comfort you, to discipline you, and to be with you. And that's an illustration for that is David. I've never seen someone thinking about that. But every time I see the valley of shadow of death, I remember David in the valley. When you read 1 Samuel 17, where there with Goliath, he faced Goliath in the valley. And the proclamation of Goliath against the army of God was what? Death. Come and I'll kill you. It was a valley of death. But if you read the narrative many times, the reason why David could face Goliath was because God was with him. Many times. Read that, 1 Samuel 17. And many times he talks about being a shepherd and was facing a bear and a lion. But the most important reason that he was facing Goliath because he was going for the name of his king. I'm going to kill you, Goliath, because you are blaspheming the name of my king. And I go after you with his power and with his presence. With the Lord, we can face any evil, even if we don't know why. He is our Emmanuel, God with us. Even when we do not know why, why? Because he is Emmanuel with me. That's all that matters. That reminds me of my little girl, my youngest girl. She was not even two years old. She got COVID. She was born in 2020. And her fever was like crazy. She was very, very bad. And I have to took her, I had to take her to the emergency room. And uh, when we were there, she was less than two years old. They could not, the nurses could not find her vein. So they pricked her like 15 times. And, and then they had to have her uh, pee. So they inserted a catheter, a tube for her to urinate. Even if I tried to explain a little girl less than one year old, she would never understand. For her, it's so painful. She was crying. But the only thing that I could do is just to hold her and say to her, it's daddy, I'm with you. And she was whispering and crying at the same time. I know, Daddy. I know. Don't cry. And I know I'm with you. I know. And then she could stand and support, even though she was not understanding anything. It was so painful for her at that time because her daddy was with her. Can you imagine that? A difference of 30, 40 years of, oh, 40 years of difference. I could be wrong. Something worse could happen with her. I'll be all right, Naomi. But it could be worse. But she was trusting. If that is true with the relationship between human beings, can you imagine the difference between you and God? He knows everything as your king. 
The only thing that you should do as your king, that he is Emmanuel, that is with you no matter what. And then you'll be okay. And you can trust him. It'll be all right. Because he is your Emmanuel. The Lord is with you. That is all that matters. Thirdly, isn't it beautiful now? He's your king. He's your Emmanuel, God with us. Now third, he is your host. Verse 5. Verse 5. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. You see, you see the beauty of the literature? In verse 3, he had a rod and a staff. One rod in one hand and a staff in the other. Now he has a cup of wine and another cup of oil. Isn't that beautiful? And now the picture is of a host. Of a host. Now, don't forget, you have to read with the big picture of the Psalm 23. Verses 1 through 3, he and me rest. Verse 4, more intimate, you and me in the valley. Now in verse 5, continues the same intimate relationship in the table. You and me at the table. It's beautiful, beautiful psalm. And here's the point. As your host, he serves you. The Lord who serves. I think it's actually the whole psalm is about service of our king. What kind of king is this? The king of the world is the opposite. We have to serve them. What you have here, kids, is a Lord who serves you all the time. Verses 1 through 3, it's all about service. He leads me, he guides me, he restores my soul. In verse 5, again, is a service. And what kind of service is that? Is that? Well, he tells us. It's oil, put it on my head. And oil here is a perfume. He's treating his guests the best way possible. And then a cup that overflows with abundance. So what you have here is abundance and joy. A cup that run over, runs over. And here's application for you children and young people. Christianity should not be boring. The only reason why we think it's boring is because of us. Not, a, not because of Christianity. Christianity is joy. It's service for your joy. He's serving you for your joy so that your cup may overflow. But the only thing that, that keeps us to see that is because the beauty of other things is blinding us. The beauty to find a true love in this world, if someone loves me, I'll be all right. If the beauty of something that I look for in my reputation, that I achieve that, then I will be all right. Those things are blinding us so that we may not see and cannot see the beauty of this king See his beauty and his service. As John Newton wrote in one of his poems, Our pleasure and our duty, though opposite before, 
since we have seen his beauty, are joined to part no more. It is our highest pleasure, no less than duty's call, to love him beyond measure and serve him with our all. And the second application in this point is this. That the Lord is your friend. Have you thought about that? In that sense? That your king is at the same time your friend. If you tried to call Joe Biden for your problems to serve you, you can try to make appointment with him, but with no avail, no chance. But the king of the universe, the one who created heaven and earth, isn't it amazing that now he is portraying himself as one who is your friend, the king who is your friend at the same time. You see in verse 4, in affliction, in the valley of the shadow of death, he is there with you as a good friend, as the best friend to comfort you. And also in verse 5, as a friend, he's serving you in the table because he wants your joy. That's what hospitality is in the New Testament, isn't it? Friends of strangers. And that's how your king is portrayed right here in verse 5. He is your host. Parents, befriend to your children. Copy your king. Humanly speaking, be your children's best friend. Be with them. Play with them. Enjoy them. Delight in them. Be with them in every way, especially the dads here. Oh, how much we need in our culture men who is willing to be with his children and love them as friends. Actually, as authority, as you see here, the king, he doesn't leave his post as a king with authority, but at the same time as a friend to be there. But parents also be careful with the relationship of your children. I'm so worried about this movies. It's so many things that we are worried about today that influence our kids. One of the things for sure that influence them the most are relationships, friends. Be careful. Know them. Examine them. See if they are the same kind of friends that follow the Supreme King. It's crucial. A bad friend can influence more than any internet or any movie or anything that you can think of. Be their friend. Be careful with their friends. And above all, show that the Lord, the King, is the, their best friend. Fourth and lastly, not only the Lord is your supreme king, not only he is your Emmanuel, God with you, not only is your host, but then lastly, verse 6. It's a beautiful verse, how it ends, right? Surely goodness, or you can translate the word surely only. I think it's even more powerful. Only goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Fourth point in, 
the Lord is your goodness and love all the way home. Your king is your goodness and love all the way home. Isn't it beautiful? Again, two things. You see the rod and the staff, the cup of wine and the cup of oil. And now two things. Goodness and love. Maybe in his feet because he's pursuing us. He's pursuing us. So one in one foot, another one in another foot. Goodness and love. Pursuing us. Now, don't miss this. Goodness and covenant and love will what? Pursue. And the verb pursue, the commentators, all of them say, the verb here, pursue, is a verb for an enemy. Pursue like an enemy. So goodness and love is like enemies going after me, just like Saul was after David. Just like Absalom was after David. But here, David changes. He plays with words. He changes the concept of the enemy of affliction, of persecution, of suffering, of pain. And now he puts in that verb that carries all those terrible things, but changes the subject. It is a good subject. Two Two sheepdogs, if we can say that. Two sheepdogs. Isn't it beautiful? Now he lead us. He is in the front of us in verses 1 through 3. Now in verse 4, he is, 4, four he is with us, beside us. And now in verse 6, he is behind us with his goodness and with his covenant love. This points back to verses 4 and 5. Because valley and enemy and evil, you see in verse 4 with the valley of shadow of death. And then in verse 5 too, this life has valleys and darkness and death. Even when you are having a banquet with the Lord, there's what? That's why I think they put there, we are having a table. He prepares a table for us in verse 5, the presence of our enemies. You see there. Even when we are having a banquet, there is enemies close by in this life, in this earth. This world, here is the point for all of us as we read Psalm 23 this evening. This world is not your home, kids. It's not. Yes, have fun. Yes, Christianity is for your delight here in this world. Yes, have a banquet. Yes, have your cup overflowing with wine and pleasure with your king, with your people, with your family, with your job, with your studies, with everything that God has given you that you can do it for his glory and for his name. Yes, have delight in him. But we need a balance here. At the same time, do not forget that this life is all there is. That's a wrong, wrong mindset. The world, this world is not your home. Your home is with your shepherd king. You must have your eyes fixed in eternity. Eyes of eternity. If we have the eyes in our final home, then we can look back at our journey in this life and all the pain, all the trials, all the afflictions that were pursuing us will turn out to be the goodness and loving kindness 
to our God, our good shepherd king. You see what it is? I took that from uh, uh, David Gibson in his book on this psalm. He is pursuing us. He's behind us in all the afflictions and all the problems. And when we are there at home, we can look back and all the pains, we will see his goodness and his covenant love. That reminds me again of Joseph. Oh, Joseph. Their brothers put him in the valley of death. They sold him. He ended up in Egypt. And at the end of Genesis chapter 50, they were so afraid, the brothers, as Joseph said, no. You meant your evil thing. With your action, you meant it for evil. You betrayed me. You sold me as a slave. But my king, my God, my supreme shepherd, the shepherd of my life, he meant it for good, as you can see now. As we look back at what happened in our history, all the pain, all the prison, and all the problems that I suffered, what I saw was the goodness and the covenant and love of God pursuing me. Isn't it beautiful? As the Lord is my goodness and my love all the way home, and I will dwell in the house of God all the days of my life. Is that how you dream about your best dreams? That He is my shepherd, my goodness and my love all the way home. But I want to, change, uh, to finish this sermon that I cannot finish otherwise. And I want you, parents and children, and those who do not know the Lord, only in Jesus you can have the Lord as your supreme shepherd king and your children's shepherd king. Only in Jesus. Why? Because Jesus is our supreme king. He gave us true rest. He worked for us. He died in our behalf. Only Jesus is our Emmanuel. He was abandoned. He felt the forsakenness of God on that cross so that we may have God with us in the valley. Only Jesus is our host. He drank the bitter cup so that we may drink the cup of overflowing joy. He is our ultimate friend who gave his life for us. When he comes back, he will serve us again in the table. You see that in Luke, in the Gospel of Luke, tells us that when Jesus comes back with all his glory, with all his majesty, with all his power, He's going to prepare a table for us. And Luke says in that parable, instead of us serving him, once again he's going to gird himself up and he's going to serve us again. What kind of king is that? Can you find anywhere else? Can you? 
only in Jesus Christ you have a king as a host like this. And literally, the goodness of God and his covenant love you can find only in supreme fashion in your king, Jesus. Jesus is our good and love all the way home. He is. He is preparing a place for us. He is our home. His goodness and love in the flesh and will pursue us and lead us all the way home. Now let me ask you, can you find a king like that? Or are you on, you are, you're on your own alone? Tonight is a time for us to examine ourselves and to plead to have this supreme king and to have our confession right there in our hearts with him. Yes, you are my king. Yes, you are my Emmanuel. Yes, you are my host. And yes, my king Jesus, you are all my goodness all my love and you are leading me all the way home. What a king our Jesus is. May the Holy Spirit open our eyes, the eyes of the parents and the children to see the wonders of this king. Let us pray. Father, thank you so much for, for our Christ Jesus. He is truly amazing. Thank you for this psalm. Thank you for being our king. In Jesus' name.